Hello there, listeners. This is Sean from Teaching Python. Kelly and I recently spent some time reflecting on what we've learned since we started our podcast. We've learned that there's an amazing community of teachers and Pythonistas out there, and we're thrilled to be a part of it. One thing we've also realized, for being honest with ourselves, is that we're not that great at editing podcast audio or hosting and running website servers. So what we'd really like to do is get some help with that, and that costs money. As it turns out, there's this really cool website called Patreon that lets you support us with a few dollars each month. We're a little bit more comfortable with that as teachers than going out and looking for sponsors, um, to corporate sponsors to help us out. We're setting a goal of $100 a month to start. That'll cover basic things like website hosting and podcast audio editing. If we hit that goal, we're going to launch, we're also going to launch a monthly web conference meeting for patrons where you can meet with us and other teachers to ask questions, brainstorm teaching ideas, and make plans. Thanks for all of your support. We really appreciate it. It's made the biggest difference for us as we ventured into this new world of podcasting. So without any further ado, on to the show. Welcome to Teaching Python. This is episode 20, Building Your Python PLN. I'm Sean Tiber. I'm a coder who recently began teaching. And I'm Kelly Schuster-Paredes. I'm a teacher who recently began to code. Well, welcome, Kelly. How are you this morning? I am doing well. We're finally getting back into the rhythm after PyCon and uh, jumped right into standardized testing at our school, so we had a nice slow week this week. Nice. So, Kelly, we're going to start off the way we always do, and I know it's been a short period of time since we recorded our last episode, but what's your win of the week this week? Um, Well, actually, I have a a cool win. I have two girls that are trying to do web scraping, which has um, progressed into me trying to learn how to do web scraping. So, again, digging back in to automate the boring stuff and trying to just figure out how to help them to get their shoe app. They want to um, figure out how to scrape the web to make sure that they can find a shoe of their size and they can um, buy them at a good cost. Nice. Well, I really like that talk that we saw at PyCon about the cross-stitch embroidery where I believe it was Glass NT on Twitter scraped a thread manufacturer's website for pictures and metadata and then averaged the colors of all the threads to be able to map them against pixel art, which was really cool. So I'm really getting into the power of web scraping. One of the things that we are also, of course, having to teach is the ethics of web scraping too. be able to make sure that if you're scraping the web for content, that you are using it for a legitimate purpose and within the realm or the license of what the provider has offered to you. It's pretty cool to see our students getting into it because I think it really is empowering for them to be able to automate some of these things that would take them a very long time. It seems to be something that they're very excited about. It is. It's an interesting time and a lot of learning going on. Yeah. Um, And for me, my one of the week has been coming back to the projects that my students were working on while I was out. I had my sixth graders building a treasure hunt using the Microbit and Python Turtle to help me find items of vast importance to me, like my keys or the remote to the projector in our classroom. And my, my favorite so far has been 
a group of students that gave me a microbit compass. So they had programmed the microbit to use the compass and put a needle on the display, but it was actually a hidden trigger for when I found my keys that the microbit that was attached to them would start beeping and chirping with a speaker that they had attached to it. And they used the radio to detect when the microbits were in proximity to one another. So it was something I totally didn't expect. And it was such a delightful surprise that as I got close to my keys, I started hearing noises and beeps and things like that. Um, and it was just a really clever implementation of how to use the microbit radio. So I think I'm going to be sharing out a little bit more about their project on Twitter because it was just such a fun experience. That's excellent. That's kind of like that key fob that you can buy, right? I, what I really liked about it was the fact that they made it the delightful surprise to me as the user. So it was something that they misdirected me intentionally to think that I was using the compass to help find direction when it was actually something totally different. And I thought that was just such a great and clever use of the micro bits and, and misdirection. Excellent. So this week we're going to be talking about the Python PLN, which it actually comes right out of PyCon because we saw so many great PLN examples and saw the importance of a PLN coming out of that conference, especially with the Education Summit. To be honest, I, I never really appreciated the people, I guess, not that I didn't appreciate the people that I followed. I guess I just didn't put a, a real person behind behind that social media, that Twitter presence. And for me to be able to meet so many of the people that I followed, and then I didn't even realize some of the people that I followed that I met. And then I went to go look for them on Twitter, and I was like, oh, I'm already following you. So it was really cool. I just, just to make that connection from real life and social media and our personal learning, our personalized learning network, and um, to, to really appreciate the information that these people are giving us. Yeah, it was really great. I think that's a really great point that you raise about putting a face or a person behind the social media. It's one of the things that we talk about with our students is that it's really easy to depersonalize social media and it's easy to forget that there's a real person on the other end of it. And sometimes we talk about that in the context of cyberbullying and very serious harmful topics, but one of the great things about this is that this is such a positive experience. It's like the complete opposite of having to talk about cyberbullying. It's about getting to talk about people who are there and willing to help you and share of themselves. So when we look at our PLN, not only did we see our PLN grow substantially from this conference, we also reinforced a lot of those relationships in our network. So let's start just by talking about what is a PLN and what do we mean by that when we say PLN and what's the purpose of a PLN? I like to look back with Will Richardson. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Will Richardson. Actually, I haven't heard of him before, oh. so this is great. Thank you. <laughs> he is really big in the international world, and coming from an international um, education outlook, he really tried to become the leading thinker and writer. I got to meet him in Brazil in Sao Paulo at a um, conference down there, and he led this forward-thinking conference, I think back in 2014 or 13, I'll have to look that up and I'll try to find a link to that. He is one of these guys that really wants to look at the modern learner. And one of his talks, he has a, a video about the personalized learning network and why it's so important for us, especially as global educators, to get to know what's going on in the rest of the world. And he pretty much defines personalized learning network as a tool that uses social media and technology to collect, to communicate, to collaborate, to share resources, create resources, and to connect with colleagues anywhere at any time. 
he really he really defines this as a way to push your thinking to get to talk to people that are not from the same cultural base as you to make sure that you have a better understanding of what's going on globally. Yeah, I, it's interesting in the context of uh, the corporate world, one of the things that was important to me was building a network of people that I could work with, I could collaborate with w inside and outside of the organization. And I realized that that was something that made me more effective as a learner and as a manager or as a technologist. So this is something that's relevant both for teachers to push our own learning as well as for people who are practicing, who are developing, who are engineering. Anyone that's learning Python needs a PLN. And I would even say that one of the best things we can do as teachers is to help our students develop their own PLNs and know how to create that. Yes, I, I agree. It's a very powerful PD and any way that we can get them whether it's a teacher or a student to use, it's going to be a better situation for anyone using it. So. Yeah, and this is one of the things that we noticed when we were at PyCon was the diversity of different people in the network, both educators, non-educators, technologists, trainers, the diversity of people that you can include in your PLN is really important. Someone doesn't have to be a teacher or a trainer to be a vital part of your PLN. I'm learning from all sorts of people all the time in my PLN, and it's usually from a culture of sharing. So one of the important traits that you want to seek out in people that are part of your PLN is their willingness to share and to share things that are valuable to you and that help grow you and stretch you beyond where you begin. And also having the kind of relationship that you can ask them for help, right? So it's a willingness to help and a willingness to share that really matters. Um, and I think you had something that you were talking about to me the other day is it's not just about connecting with individuals, it's about connecting with other types of entities, right? Absolutely. There are a lot of educational chats out there that you can follow. So we talked a little bit about different organizations and different you know, groups of PLN. So if you can connect a PLN that already exists to your PLN, that's a really powerful thing. And, and if there's are organized around interests, that's even better. An example of this is the Ed Chat hashtag that lights up on you know Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday evenings. There's usually some educators talking about different topics and answering questions that are posed all under that same hashtag. So all you have to do is follow that hashtag and you'll start seeing a lot of those tweets come through that can really be lead you in some interesting directions. They can take you into some places that you maybe hadn't explored already. The other example that I would give would be something like following an organization that tends to tweet quite a bit. And there are a number of them in the Python space. But one of the things that I found that's been really helpful is just following Adafruit's Twitter handle because they are aggregating and collecting so much content that's useful and interesting and educational from around their sphere of influence, from their PLN and sharing it out. And so it makes it an easy follow when you can follow one handle and get a variety of information. Yes, and another one on the ped pedagogical side <clears throat> is to follow ISTE. ISTE has a lot of good resources out there. They also post some, some ideas on how to use computer science computational thinking. And even Google, Google for Education is, is a good one to look at. I had um, found a really cute flow chart, which I think we'll link, link to um, the show notes, and it's by Sylvia Duckworth, and it's just the reasons why you should use Twitter 
And the first place where she starts in her flowchart is if you live in the 21st century, yes, you sh and you have internet access, you should definitely be on Twitter. It's just it's just a place to be in order to get a lot of information. Right. And if you're sitting there listening in your car as you're driving to work and you're thinking, but I really don't want a Twitter account or I don't want to be someone who tweets or I'm, that's just not me. You can also think of it as a passive engagement tool. You do not have to actively tweet to get a lot of value out of Twitter. Think of it more like a feed of information that's fresh and don't feel like you have to stay on top of it. It's more like a river that you dip your toes into every now and then whenever you want to get some content or you want to boost your knowledge. Having a Twitter feed that has a lot of interesting content flowing through it is something that you can dip into whenever you want to. It's not something that you have to clear. It's not like an in email inbox where it has unread indicators. You dip in and you take as much or as little as you can handle at that point in time. Absolutely. And you can just have what we call the voyeurism um, approach to Twitter. But just putting aside Twitter, if you're not into Twitter, um, some people in the in the older years are still into Facebook. I do use uh, Facebook in a professional way. I have an international technology group that I, I follow, and there's a lot of good things that come out of Europe um, with technology and computational thinking. The other approach I, I use is LinkedIn. Just today I saw a gentleman post something on LinkedIn, and he was talking about how he had two clubs going on in the same room, a, a sewing sorry, a cross-stitching club with girl, it was mostly girls and then a technology club at that same time. So just being able to show that those two different fields are going on in the same classroom was pretty neat. And that was on LinkedIn. And then one other place that I like to watch is the teaching channel. There are a lot of uh, good pedagogical lessons or pedagogy lessons that you can use in order to do uh, build your classroom, build your culture in your classroom, things that we don't really think about in the coding of Python, but definitely need while you're, while you're teaching Python. Right. So I would say that really the network is where you find it. We found a lot of great value out of Twitter, but certainly you can find networks in YouTube, in Facebook, in many other social media channels. You can have a great mailing list, an email list that's that has a lot of great content on it. And in fact, we just joined a new Slack channel for Python educators that we'll link to in the show notes as soon as we figure out an easy way for everyone to request to join that. The point is that the value that you get out of it is directly related to the quality of the network that you create. So what you should be thinking about when you create these networks or as you join them is that they need to be valuable for you. So if you're finding that your feed or that your app or you're getting notifications that aren't relevant to you, do some gardening, prune it back a little bit, like trim the, trim the people on the channels that aren't adding value so that the more important things, the things that are more valuable to you shine through. So this is your personal learning network, right? The P and PLN is for you. Mm -hmm. So make sure that it's relevant to you. Make sure that you're engaged with it. And if you're finding that it's not that engaging for you or that you're not that interested, Time to get out those gardening shears and do some trimming. Yeah, but on the other side, I will have to say, try not to get addicted. I think sometimes I get sucked into the Twitter world. I get sucked into reading a lot. Sean's like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> I am constantly finding so many interesting people out there, and I, I just I end up clicking on a link that they've posted, and then I go down that deep, dark hole. So do take a, a mindful minute and kind of check where you are. I know this is 
opposite of what we're saying. But at the same time, you can you can go down a rabbit hole sometimes when you get into Twitter. It's fun, and it and we just want to make sure that you are mindful. Yeah, I think self awareness is key, right? Being aware of how it's affecting you and whether it's a positive influence on your life or whether it's a distraction. I mean, no apologies. We tweeted a ton during <laughs> PyCon, and it's because we were so excited and we enjoyed it so much. That's something that was really great for us as as learners to go and learn from that group and to connect with people. And as a result, you saw us putting a lot out into our PLN. And hopefully some people got some value out of that. But that's a good sign when it's done at the right times and for the right reasons. It's a bad sign if you get if you find yourself getting pulled into flame wars and toxic conversations and your soapbox comes out a little too often than it should. Remember that this is something that we all participate in, and the point is to all grow together and all share together. I don't know about you, but I also use my Twitter sort of like a notebook. I like having my, I often refer back to tweets and replies and media, tweets and replies and media that I've found online, and I kind of use it as, oh yeah, that's what I did um, a year ago. I need to find that post or that that link. That's why my Twitter account says eggs, milk, cheese, bread. (laughs) It's not that kind of notebook. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Well, we are getting a little loopy. This is a a Friday recording, so. That's all part of the fun, though. So we're going to post some links to networks that we found particularly valuable as we've been learning to teach, in my case, learning to code in Python, in Kelly's case. Actually, both of us learning to code, but from different, different starting points. There's a ton of resources out there, and one of the things that I know in particular that I love about the Python community and those of us who are teaching in the Python community is that there's this tremendous willingness to connect and share and be open to learning from one another and teaching one another in a really positive and, and supportive way. So I, I can't you know recommend strongly enough that you develop your own PLN and if you're somewhere in the middle of nowhere when it comes to Python, right? If you feel like there's no one else around you who gets what you're trying to do or understands it, I can tell you that there are people out there that are paying attention, that are speaking the same words that you are, that are pushing for the same things. And in the miracle of the modern age that we live in, they're right there in your pocket often or on your computer. So reach out to them and get connected. And if you don't have a PLN, reach out to Kelly and I and we'll be your PLN. Absolutely. And I do have to give one other tip that I think is very useful for me. Try to find also other people that are completely opposite than you, completely opposite in your thinking, maybe completely opposite in what you actually teach. I follow a couple librarians that I, I really just adore reading their posts because they give me some great books to read. I follow a couple of language teachers because I use their techniques into teaching coding. And I follow humanities because I think that's going to be a really interesting point in order to introduce data science. So try to vary your followers and see if you can learn from others. That's a really great final thought to, to leave this on. I think it's really about challenging yourself and growing yourself and a PLN that is worthwhile doesn't become an echo chamber. It's not just something that sits there and repeats your thoughts back to you. It's people that challenge your assumptions and your thinking and help you grow and develop. Absolutely. So, well, this is uh, 
Oh, it's the your end turn. Of you, it. Yeah, I it's think your, it's the you end could, of this. You, why, don't you, talk. why don't you sign us off? So, uh, for teaching Python, this is Kelly. And this is Sean. Signing off. Mm-hmm.